Hi everyone, welcome back to TAP DIY Podcast. Right now we are recording for the fourth episode of TAP. Uh, this episode is very special because we are uh, collaborating with IAPS Asia and one of their representatives will be uh, one of our uh, hosts today. Rutaba, hi Rutaba, how are you doing? Maybe you could uh, explain more about uh, IAPS Asia first. Hi Michael, I'm so happy, um, not just as a person individually, but also on behalf of IAPS that we get to do this with ASEAN Youth Organization. It's a wonderful initiative. Um, and as an organization, which is an association for political science students, we're also always very eager to sit down with experts like Sunchu and um, you know talk about um, topics like education and culture and where they li- the nexus lies between them and today. Great, thank you so much. And also right now we have a very wonderful guest uh, she is Sutin Marching. Um, she is the senior lecturer of uh, SOAS UK London. She's also an academic activist and also a writer. I don't know how one could be so wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Sutin. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. I'm fine. Uh, it's a bit, I, uh, it's a bit uh, weird for me to call uh, Sutin without uh, without any addresses like Mrs. or Boo. But oh, yeah, since since I'm in Indonesia, so yeah, we usually have addressing yeah. like oh yeah, so yeah. yeah. I hope everything's great uh, with all of you. you I'm currently in quarantine. Okay, got it. Currently, I'm in quarantine. I'm in a, a, a hotel in Jakarta. Uh, yesterday, I got back from Germany. So yeah, um, this this episode we'll be talking about education, digitalization, and culture. But with uh, with Sushin here, we'll be mostly talking about um, culture, history, and education. So, without further ado, I would like to um, invite Rutaba to ask the first question. Hi, thank great. Uh, well, um, thank you Jen, for joining us. I'm, 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 I'm fortunate and honored to be part of this podcast and be asking you some questions. Um, the first question is very broad, um, so you can take whatever direction you want. It's basically about how far human civilization has come, you know, and systems have evolved, we've evolved, the education system has also evolved, but maybe not as rapidly as, uh, not as rapidly and globally and uniformly as it has, uh, let's say in the first behind com- comprehensively uh, than it does in the first world. Um, for example, in Indonesia, you know, students are taught to obey the rules blindly coming, um, and you are a lecturer yourself. I do want to ask you, know, what does it mean to, to educate and what does it mean to be educated and what role do you see uh, um, education play and why is there a difference between the first world and the third world when it comes to the quality of education? Okay, um, what it means by education? Well, I can talk about this for the whole day, okay, because it's really, really kind of like a, 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 um, a wide question, a, a wide topic, but for me, education is, um, to, to, to say it really, really briefly, for me, education is to make people um, understand the world better. Yeah, because um, we are just too small for the universe. The universe is too large for us to understand. And we can only understand it a little bit. So we, we, we don't have a wrong concept about what the universe is. And... Uh, as you know, science is not actually, for me, science is not finding the truth. Because the truth 
if you talk about the truth, what is the truth? It's a fact that the sun uh, is not circulating the earth, yeah? It's the other way around. It's the earth that goes around the sun, okay? But in the past, people believed that the earth, um, uh, the, 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 the sun went around the earth, yeah? But no matter how many people believed in it, it's not gonna change the fact that it's the earth that was that, that circulates, it's still circulating, not was, that the earth circulates the sun. So science is to understand the universe, not for me, it's not finding the truth, but actually science is to show our misunderstanding. Science is and foremost. And um, to understand the universe is to understand humanity and are the creatures better? You have to understand that we are interconnected. And as you know, with the virus, you can all better get back to us, surely. Yeah. If not now, it's like people still keep treating animals really badly now. I've become vegetarian. Most of them intended for people to be able to work, to make money, and that's it. Yeah? yeah. Third world, this, this still cannot be achieved. Even this, this narrow-minded, such a narrow-minded uh, scope cannot be achieved because of the corruption there. Uh, the standard of education, to be honest, is uh, not that good because it only emphasizes on, um, on dogma as well. Many of the schools still emphasize on dogma, on repetition, on um, uh, not on critical thinking. Not all schools, but many of them are still like that. And of course, we lag behind in terms of facilities, technologies, and, and that's a problem. Whereas more and more, I think you can see as well with the, um, with the coronavirus, and now people move to the internet, people use technology more, technology will be more and more needed in the future. And the so-called the third world will lag behind more and more in the end in this world. And, and, and that's why we, we really have to think about it. Because as I say, if we are not fair to other people, if we don't treat them well, it will eventually get back to us. So we can't say that, oh, well, third world, we can just forget about it. You know, animals, they just, just be used. Eventually, it will get back to us. So um, we really yeah. have to think about how to make everything. Uh, and you think education is the way for us to improve as humans, as, as a species. Um, and that's the purpose the of education, species. not the profiteering that has begun. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no. Because, because I believe that human is part of the animal world, part, part of the species. But then human think that they're, you know, they're like the highest creature and whatnot. No, yeah, for me, we're part of the universe. 
free NOS, right? That's a wonderful thought. I mean, you were talking about, um, you know, the third world over here, you were talking about the fact that there are dogmas driving the education system in a lot of countries. I do have to ask, and I'm just curious, uh, is the culture impacting the education in these countries or the education system impacting the culture in these countries? Because students, you're right, they don't come out of schools as independent thinkers, they come out as people who can say, yes, sir, uh, and they can respect hierarchy. And so they suppress these individualities coming out of schools and colleges. So wherever in the world it may be, but specifically for, because I'm uh, representing IAPS Asia and I'm, I'm you know, more linked to Asian countries and I see that happening over here. Um, do you see it's the culture, do you see the culture impacting the education in these areas or do you see education, the systematic way it is arranged impacting culture because uh, how, and, and, and in explaining why students are the way they are both yeah it always goes both ways uh, culture impact education and vice versa but culture itself always changes it depends on who is in power it depends on uh how people interpret cultures it's culture keeps changing yeah so like when you see in the past as well uh here for instance um there was just a, a very recent case okay alan turing was a great one of the greatest mathematicians in the world yeah and he helped um breaking codes during the first uh, the, the second world war and he actually helped stopping the second world war and and you know this saved millions and millions of people but then because he was gay and he was caught in homosexual acts he was prosecuted in 1952 and this happened in here yeah, in the UK, yeah, happened in the UK. And Alan Turing got really stressed out and he committed suicide in 1954. But at least, at least now the government um, acknowledged this, acknowledged the mistake, it was recorded in history and he will become the, it, in the uh, 50 pound note this year, in June this year, Alan Turing will be on the 50, 50 pounds note. And, wonderful. Yes. So um, countries always make mistakes. Every country makes mistakes. But now, do we want to uh, acknowledge it? Do we want to um, improve it? That's the, that's, that's the question. So I don't believe that culture is stagnant. Okay. So for instance, uh, countries in Asia, of course, there's no just one culture the different cultures. So we can't say that, oh, we, we don't think critically because of the culture. No, that's rubbish, yeah. That's how you interpret cultures, okay? So that's how you interpret culture. We can always think critically anywhere in the world. So, so it, it doesn't depend on culture. I think uh, to stop thinking critically does not depend on the culture only, but depends more on the people in power, depends more on the hegemony. If the hegemony and people in power don't want you to think too critically because it's better for them, it's safer for them, then they can organize the schools and the education system so that people will just be educated to obey the authority. And they are good enough so long as they can be used by the authority that's what what's been happening in indonesia that's a, definitely a powerful statement linking um 
education thought process, a general thought process with the political structuring of a country. And that's a very important idea. I think we can have a separate dialogue conversation on that, you know, someday. But Michael, I would now like to, you know, pass the mic on to you. Maybe you want to ask the next question. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, that was that was amazing. Talking about mistakes in the world, like uh, talking about mistakes the countries made. I mean, um, uh, talking about uh, mistakes, of course, that lies in the in the history, right? Like, for example, the actually we already have LGBTQIA plus uh, in the Greek uh, in the ancient Greek, and uh, we have been uh, uh, we have been following the normality where LGBTQIA plus is a taboo thing to do, and uh, I I learned about that most of it like one thing or two from uh, from Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson or. Uh, I learned a thing or two about Japanese uh, from uh, Doraemon, uh, the the comics and and the cartoons, something like that. But there aren't many options for me to learn about history, like true fiction in Indonesia, like through such media. Do you think that uh, it's very important to put such topic in, uh, like children's education? Is is it also important to, like, give the children, uh, like, histor historically accurate fiction? Yes, um, I, I'm, I'm just going to address uh, the, 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 the issue about gender a bit, if I may. Mm. It's interesting because, uh, Michael, you talk about the course, Greeks, yeah? And, and this is interesting for me because in Indonesia, um, well, there was no Indonesia before, but, but in, in this region, uh, which is known as Indonesia now, uh, in Bugis culture, uh, they recognize five genders, actually. Yeah, they recognize five genders. They recognize um, not only male and female, but also masculine, uh, girl, um, feminine, feminine boy, and also the combination of male and female uh, genders. So, uh, which is called bisu, and bisu is considered to be the priest. So higher because bisu has both elements. So they're considered as more perfect because they're male and female um, elements, yeah? Now, back to your question, Michael. Sorry if I uh, diverted a bit. Uh, about fiction. Yes, it, it, um, fiction is very important because fiction is a way for us to express ourselves. Now, I'm going to give an example of my own experience, actually, because uh, in 2015, I published the book based on uh, testimonies of the victims of the 1965 genocide. Okay. When I was interviewing these people, of course, some of them said, okay, I'm gonna tell you this, but please don't publish it. Okay, this is the information, but please don't publish this, okay? And before I published the, the, the testimonies, of course, I got back to them and I asked for the approval. And of course, they said, oh, don't say this, don't say that, you cannot, tell everything in public. Anyone can't, yeah? How can you? Even now, can you can you tell me everything? No, you can't, right? You, you, you have secrets. I have secrets, you have secrets. Everyone has secrets. But in fiction, I can be more open. So after my book was published in 2015, I decided to publish a novel based on my interview with those people 
And actually there were, there were about three people who told me their stories, but asked me not to publish their stories at all. And in the end, these stories came up in the novel, in my novel, which was published uh, last year, actually. So yes, fiction is important. It's not a way to just to imagine things, but it's a way to express ourselves. Um, and as you see how, how influential fictions are, fairy tales are very influential. As you know, uh, Snow White and Cinderella used to be really famous. Yeah. And because of that, it shaped girls' perception as well. And then suddenly girls all over the world wanted to be like Cinderella and Snow White, you know, they wanted to uh, have like the so-called Prince Charming. They wanted to get married. And then once they changed the fairy tales, they said, no, this is rubbish. Okay. Girls should not just want to get married. They have better things to do than just getting married. They shifted the fairy tales. And what happened? Girls' perceptions also change. Now, this, it can change people's perceptions. That is amazing. I mean, um, in a way, you were talking about how fiction is is a space for us to stay private you know and in a world where we're talking about privacy as a concern where we're being where the technology is so invasive right like we've never seen before it seems like fiction is becoming more and more important for people to just confine into uh, with their emotion their ideas and, and in return fiction also shapes them uh, about what they want from life and that is a very very that makes it a very very powerful tool um, I do want to take this conversation a bit from fiction to history now, uh, and that is where I'm going to begin my next question. So I did see some writings on Reddit and Instagram, you know, they were sharing about distorted history in their education system. So for example, I read this one about the Japanese who didn't know anything about its colonization, you know, colonization history. And some of the European citizens did not know a thing about their country colonizing other nations, or if it was, it wasn't as detailed or uh, uh, in a manner that, you know, other, the colonized nations were, you know, learning about colonization. Um, is, you know, why do you think that is? And how do you ascertain the accuracy of history as a subject as a result? Yeah, um, yeah. The Japanese created still with has free version for non-commercial use. They colonized several countries, and also the Dutch. Um, uh, they still portray, uh, you know, the the textbooks. The school textbooks still portray Sukarno as terrorist. Yeah, and so that was just really for me. It was just shocking, actually. But then. You know, uh, in the same way, Indonesia is also like that. Indonesia never acknowledged that it, uh, Indonesia has colonized East Timor-Leste, um, Timor for instance. Yeah, I mean, the, the Indonesian um, um, military colonized Timor-Leste, but they, they just never write it down on, on history, in the history. And also about other human rights violations, like the biggest one that, that was conducted by the Indonesian government was the 1965 genocide. Even the number of the victims is not really known now. Someone said one million created with free version millions, for non-commercial use. Three millions. It's even said on its own. You know that the, the number of the victims is not even known. 
this is this is a tragedy on its own so for me acknowledging past human violation past issues like this is really important because if we don't do it it will happen again yeah it will happen again you can see it happened over and over again um created with free version for non-commercial use it, and the 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 the, per, the group who did it was actually similar is the military yeah like 1965 and then what happened in timor leste and then what happened in aceh and then what happened in west papua and then may 98 it was done by similar group and they keep going because it hasn't been acknowledged it hasn't been criticized properly and that's what happened um i think if i can take an example of a country that has acknowledged the past what you know quite frankly is germany with the holocaust germany has acknowledged that the holocaust happened it was the mistake of the government they apologized they uh they built monuments you know they got rid of the nazi monuments they acknowledged it properly so you know these things won't happen again and that's really good they have this kind of awareness which indonesians many indonesians don't have that is really interesting um about how nations come to terms with their past and you know how that has uh implications in the current lives as well um and coming to terms with our past and being open and critical and accepting i think um can be more liberating as you said was in the case of germany uh michael would you like to ask the next question i think michael froze there for a while uh, but these are definitely interesting insights you know um uh, for example i'm from pakistan uh, and the the uh, the independence movement in in united india was a very bloody one it was one of the bloodiest um independence movement anywhere in the world um and yet somehow we haven't been able to um you know write our history in the manner that is deserving for all the people who lost their lives um which is very important because it has a consequences i see the younger generation i speak from personal experience that we come um we come with a lot of identity crisis as a result if we don't understand where we come from how we come from the good and the bad you know um you can't just perpetuate this holier than thou attitude about your past and say you know we are absolved from all crimes uh, i think at some point you have to be accepting of things going wrong and that is incredibly important form a national identity so to say otherwise it's just a fake national identity it's nothing else yes yes exactly it's you were you talking about the partition actually you you were talking about the partition as well right about the india and yeah it was it was really bloody because i read about it and it was it was shocking the murder and everything you know hindu and muslim and you know killing each other but at that time of course um during the partition many many muslims were murdered um you know brutally and sadly uh, the, the the british troops were just watching and they don't acknowledge that too they haven't acknowledged this yeah 
So this is very important to acknowledge what they've done in the past to make peace with the future. You really have to acknowledge it. So uh, as I said, um, the countries that have colonized Indonesia must acknowledge their, uh, their mistakes. Yeah, But at the same time, Indonesia also has to acknowledge its mistake. Everyone has to acknowledge its mistake. And only that then, we can move forward. Otherwise, it will come up again and again and again. It's not going to get better. And actually, that's what I am addressing in my novel. Yeah, so, so my novel was just published last year. It's called um, uh, Dari Dalam Kubur. Uh, in English, it means inside the grave. And I am showing how the, um, the problem in 1965 has huge impacts on the present generations, actually, huge. And not many people realize it, but because it's novel, then I can show it more because yeah. this is the, the, the benefit of the novel. I can show more of the internal conflicts. I can show more of the secrets and everything. I can even talk about the secret of the um, uh, of the person I interviewed because uh, now I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> this is a bit from the novel. Um, so this uh, female prisoner I interviewed actually due, during her imprisonment, she could survive because she took the food of her friend who was dying. She ate her food. And later on, of course, well, she survived because, um, you know, there was not enough food in the prison. And many people died of starvation. But, but she, she, she believed that because she ate her friend's food, then she could survive. Yeah. But of course, in the end, she, fe she feels guilty as well. Probably horrible. She wasn't helping, she stole her food. And then in the end, her friend died. And then after her friend died, she didn't report it to the guard. Why? So she could keep stealing the food. Because if the guard didn't know that her friend died, the guard kept feeding the friend too, right? And she kept stealing the food too. So she stole the food from her dead friend for a few days until uh, the body started smelling. That's when she reported it. Yes, she said, okay, she died. Because when the body started smelling, if she didn't report it, then she would get punished. So she reported then. But she had been stealing her food for days and days and days. And she said, I can survive, but I feel guilty. I still remember the face of my dead friend. She asked me not to publish it, but she agreed that I include that story in my novel. So that's how important fiction is, because sometimes you can't tell your secrets, but they can come up in fiction. And that this novel is actually more real than fact. Okay, I'm at loss of words right now. <laughs> my mind is blown. My mind, my mind is blown. I'm, I'm at loss of words right now because, I mean, I saw two, two, two parts of, uh, of the, of the, uh, two parts from, um, um, the, the, the book, 
like uh, oh the end of silence i i saw two parts from the end of silence and it's not that um i mean it's uh it's very traumatizing even though it's um and the story that i heard just now it's more traumatizing than i that the ones that i read uh, earlier i mean oh my god um it's actually my fiction is more, uh, just a more small intimation than the end of silence which is going ah. because in the end of silence i feel that the stories there are just so kind of um <laughs> quite cut and a bit sterilized a bit ah okay so it's more uh, it's more traumatizing with the uh Dalam Kupur or in the grave rather than uh, rather than the the end of silence okay Wow. That, that, that's what I was saying. That the my novel Daddy Dalam Kupur is actually more real than the, the and the fact more real than the the the, the so-called factual book. Wow, that's okay. I I really need to catch breath right now, to catch my breath right now. Uh, I really need to uh, re uh, reconstruct my words because again I'm a loss of words. Um, Earlier, I saw one of your uh, video explaining about the genocide in 1965. Also, uh, I, if I remember correctly, uh, your father was uh, was partly uh, partly uh, contributing contributing to uh, the PKI, uh, P PKI right? And uh, you, your father was uh, um, was held in prison because of something that he did or his contribution to the to the party and he didn't want you to know something about that so uh he lied about that so that uh he would protect you in in some of way and i mean uh i really uh i'm really um astonished by what you did because we are playing with the with the government like we're like um yeah we are uh what you're doing is against what's what's the history has been written so um so it's i don't know how to say this uh in words but it's very uh i don't know how to say this but i think it's uh maybe the correct word is uh, dangerous and talking about dangerous like uh some people say that uh dangerous works are meant to be done by men and not by a girl and um and i had never had realized about that until like uh a couple years ago when uh when people start saying uh when people start chanting about feminism and about uh, something like that but i everything about this uh this uh gender inequality has been um has been implemented implemented uh, explicitly in our education system but why uh, why does that still happening and not everyone had the privilege to be taught the way what that I did why do you think that uh, this uh, gender inequality still happens isn't education supposed to be um, basic human rights uh, telling the people about uh, all women and women women and men and all other genders are equally same Okay, now uh, talking about dangerous. Okay, about danger. Uh, why? Why they say oh, men, men, only men can do dangerous things? Because the standard is seen from the male's perspective. But actually, 
females had done dangerous things all the time, like giving birth, yeah? Giving birth, especially in the past, they could die easily. How many women actually died in giving birth? And it was bloody painful. I bet if men had to have to suffer that pain, they wouldn't want to give birth again ever, okay? Because <laughs> giving birth is, you know, um, the vagina yeah it has the vagina it's bloody painful i've never i've never given birth for some reasons i don't i don't want to have children by the way because i just think that the, the the world is too full so i don't know how painful it is but i know from other women that it is bloody okay. painful but why people don't talk about the pain of giving birth that much because it's done by women and they just say well women just have to do it and tough luck yeah it's not dangerous. It's not considered dangerous. It's just, it's what women do. It's still dangerous even now. So women do dangerous things all the time. But men just, they, if they do what? If they, if they see a dog and they chase the dog away, then it's called dangerous. You know? <laughs> Something like, for me, it's quite funny. So yeah, the standard is seen uh, from male's perspective and why it's still happening today. I mean, you can see that important positions are still held by men. You know, look at our president, look at the president, vice president, ministers, how many of them are male. And even if they are females, sometimes they are females who still see things in male's perspective. So, they, you know, we cannot just see the, 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 the human itself, but from what, what perspective they are seeing things. I agree. And you talk about uh, gender, you know, it's something that uh, that's close to my heart as well, uh, because the battles for gender equality, inequalities and to curb them, you know, are raging very high in, in, in this region, particularly in Asia. And we're just starting to understand how to indigenously, indigenously approach them, our problems, and understand what solutions can, uh, can come from that. I just want to link this question to fiction a little bit. And you talked about uh, how important fiction is. I, do you think that that women were not accurately represented, that their voice were not accurately represented in fiction and mass media for them to understand themselves? For example, if women are giving birth, they are very well aware of the pain they go through, right? Um, nobody has to tell them, but this sort of, uh, there's sort of an assurance that come from knowing that someone else is also going through that, even if that's a fictional character. And we haven't had that for the longest time. What role do you see fiction play over here in terms of educating us about uh, gender? Yeah, so as I said before, uh, people see themselves in fiction as well. Yeah, so that's why like uh, Cinderella and Snow White and those fairy, fairy tales, they had huge effects on women. Because women see themselves, they project themselves on fiction, they project themselves on films and novels. And sometimes after they see films and novels that have, um, that have a huge impressions on them, they want to be like the characters in the film or the novel. Yeah. You know, yeah, they want to be, oh, I want to be like that. Oh, I want to be like this. I want to marry a Prince Charming. I want to marry, um, you know, um, a rich man and I can become like this silly girl, you know, looking after uh, the family. That's it, yeah? And, and, and that's why fiction is important in this case. 
And also our academic books, you know, uh, when we talk about history books and we talk about social sciences, uh, we tend to celebrate uh, male authors uh, so prominently. Do you think that also has an impact because, yeah. Yeah, definitely it has an impact. And that's why, you know, in, in, in my 1960, so far the 1965 novels address male victims, most of them. My novel addresses female victims, and I address uh, not only female female victims, but also it's from female perspectives. Yeah, I want to see it from female perspectives. How, uh, how they, they talk about sex, how they talk about having children, how they talk about their ambitions. So everything that it's so uh, that's considered so female that hasn't been talked about and also how they deal with anger. Because so far in Indonesia, when uh, victims, especially women, when they forgive, when they they don't get angry, when they are calm, and then they say, oh yeah, that's good. That's what women should be. That's how uh, victims should be, forgiving and not angry and, and you know, calm. My characters are not like that. My characters are angry, yeah. And many people actually ask me, why are your characters so angry? And I said, well, because, you know, if you are forgiving, great, and people accept more, but women are allowed to be angry, especially if, if, if the crimes has not been acknowledged, of course you can go mad. And for me, it's legitimate. So that's what I give uh, anger a lot of place in my novel because I think if you if something has done to you like rape yeah gang rape if it's done to you it's not acknowledged yet and you're not allowed to be angry that's so inhuman at least you have to be allowed to be angry at least that's the very least and that's why my novel gives space to that my novel gives space to a lot of anger so that's why um, some readers said, oh my dear, the anger is just so unbearable. <laughs> and I said, well, get used to that. Yeah, women <laughs> get angry too. <laughs> Especially if the crime against them is not acknowledged, they can get angry. They are allowed to be angry. That's what I said on my novel. Women are allowed to be angry if the crime against them are not acknowledged. Um, I mean, that is wonderful. I mean, for the longest time, you know, there is a caricature for women that they're allowed, they're supposed to be forgiving, they're supposed to be, um, you know, coy, um, they're soft, and they, they have this mothering nature. So they, 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 they have all the softness of mother earth, you know, just yeah. embodied into them. And they're men because they're breadwinners, and they're tough, they're hard, they can't cry, uh, they can't complain, which is so unfair. They're also humans, and we're humans. And there's no set template as to how one gender behaves. Emotion does not look at your gender. It just comes to you because of the context that you're in. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that is a powerful, powerful idea that you're conveying through your novel. Um, and it's so wonderful seeing uh, somebody from here uh, be able to do that without being feeling apologetic about it, you know? Because a lot of times I see authors from the, this region, they try and write something that is new, that is, uh, uh, that is embarking on a very challenging route, but they seem very apologetic about it. You know, I don't want to sound angry. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm, you know, like, it's like, 
okay, women, and then they say, oh yeah, we've forgiven everything. And I just say, okay, really? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you've been raped, you know, seven times, and it doesn't be acknowledged. And we've, we've forgiven the, the, uh, the crime, we've forgive, we've forgiven the people who've done this to us, fine. And then people will praise you, but really, aren't you angry? Yeah, and from from my interviews with these women, actually, they many of them will say, "Yeah, we have forgiven them," but I don't trust them. To be honest, <laughs> I believe they say like that because of the social demand. Yeah, because the society in Indonesia demand women to forgive, and as you said, which was really true. To be believed, they can be tough. They can be seen as aggressive. They can be seen as angry. And my novel is the other way around. Both of them are angry. Really angry. <laughs> Actually, it's a different direction. Is um, listening about you talk about this novel and, and in the writing process. I, has it has it been painful though? Um, I can't imagine listening through all of these stories. You know, um, in a lot of ways, the writer is channeling all of this pain from different sources and then you know putting them onto paper. That's not an easy process. How did you kind of you know work yourself around that? Um, in a way, um, I was guessing as well. So that's the good thing of fiction. Yeah, because when I interview people. I knew that they wouldn't be completely honest with me. None of them said that. They said that they're still really sad, but they're not angry. Yeah, because sadness is accepted. Women yeah. sadness, sadness is accepted. They can cry, but not angry. Yeah, they can't scream. They can't yell. They can swear. You know, you can cry. Okay, mm -hmm. if you woman cry, fine, but don't get angry. <laughs> and for me, this is so unacceptable. You know, women are allowed to get angry they're supposed to be allowed to get angry especially if something horrible happened to them like gang rape for instance yeah and then if gang rape happened it's not acknowledged it's like, like oh it didn't happen you just swallow that and what are you going to do cry only no you're allowed to be angry as well and that's the saddest thing for me and that's why fiction gives me a way to actually um, challenge the interview as well. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't actually believe them 100% when I was interviewing them. When they said, oh no, I'm not angry. You know, I'm not angry. I, I'm, I'm still sad, but I'm not angry. <laughs> I just thought, no, you're still angry actually. <laughs> <laughs> so in the end, I put that into fiction. And my intention is to say to women, anger is legitimate. Okay, wow, that is, that, is, that is very amazing. That is very amazing. Um, do you think that, uh, so uh, I get the glimpse of, of the conversation because my internet, internet connection is, is having a big trouble. Uh, as you see, uh, I, was, uh, I was in and out uh, so many times earlier, but I, I get the glimpse of the conversation about uh, women are not socially acceptable uh, to be angry about something. Do you think that this problem lies in our education system? Is it because we are told to do that? 
is it i mean i mean in my opinion it's never been uh it's never been explicitly implemented in our education system because i never uh i never heard of that i never heard of something like that but uh but it turns out almost everyone thought of that almost everyone thought that women has to be mother has to be feminine uh women has to uh cook women has to serve their man women uh never never got the chance to never never had to have the chance to be angry about something is it does this really lies in our education system or uh how how would you uh, see this problem okay uh it's it's quite funny because you know um at one point um i i did a, a, a bit a, a small research and and um just getting rid of the you know like the like female and male having a conversation on the internet and got rid of them and asked people to guess which one is male and which one is female actually people guess it right why because they use different wordings they use different words male and female use different words because usually females are not allowed to swear and use the so-called rude words yeah rude words belong to men they're more accepted to say rude words and to swear and to say something more aggressive you know so you see even from that from the use of words it's different from male and female and behavior as well since we were young if you if, if you actually go to like kindergartens or whatever in indonesia not the progressive kindergartens but the the like the traditional kindergartens clothing are already different yeah male and female and now even in some uh, schools muslim then the girls have to wear the the long skirt and everything which really limit movement they can run or they can move as freely as as the boys yeah so clothing itself limit them already and then the behavior people usually even the teachers the parents will say you girls you can't you can't sit like that girls don't sit like that girls don't speak like that girls don't walk like that but boys are different your boys are allowed to be boisterous to be uh, to roll to roll around to jump around and and to be more and more kind of like expressive the body and to be more adventurous but not girls mm. you know and uh, when i was young actually i like to climb trees i'd like to be able to climb trees and when i try to climb trees my mother said don't do that mom said that to me yeah Yeah, that is um that is another thing which was quite interesting you know maugli i loved maugli so much because maugli climbed trees maugli talked to animals and it was just like so so much fun and i was so disappointed when people told me maugli was a boy and you cannot be like him because he was a boy i was really upset at that time yeah ugly a boy why not a girl <laughs> and it, it really upset me when i was young because i wanted to be like him be like mowgli so why not why not have a female mowgli 
why the female wanted to be like the feminine, like when I was young, only like girls should be like Snow White, Cinderella. Oh my dear, you know, <laughs> give me a break, you know? It's also you so know, much about how the adults are actually translating these these images for us you know like you said you saw, saw Mark Lee and you were inspired you didn't see his gender as a child you probably just saw how adventurous he was and how happy he was or maybe you know all the adventures he was going through and that's I think how children view things they don't really have a gender lens they view things for what they are they're either happy they're either sad and they acknowledge it um, it's really how the adults sort of uh, you know translate the images that are coming to us that change everything yes yes yeah so i mean that's that's um that's that is really insightful and i i could see so much of my own life being talked about over here without being directly mentioned of course but that is so much of what we go through as women in in these in these in, in this in this world um so um i do want to ask you one more question and and that is about you know, information and knowledge, how liberating it is, you know, um, personally, uh, as an individual, as a community, as, and, and because I know that you've talked about communities and how liberating it can be for them, but as an individual, uh, can it play a role of liberating you, uh, of setting you free? Uh, and in that, you know, maybe you can talk about your novel, The End of Silence as well, uh, because you do recount the stories of 1965 genocide victims, um, seeing the power of knowledge from the perspective of a writer and an academist, you know, how powerful is knowledge in liberating the soul of human beings? Oh, knowledge can be really, really uh, liberating, but at the same time, it can be also depressing. It depends what kind of knowledge. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, it can be quite depressing as well. For yeah. me, uh, it's just, it depends how, how you deal with knowledge. Okay, so it really depends. Like for instance, the, the first time when I learned about the 1965 genocide, it was really depressing for me because I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. Yeah, but it really happened. I, but I really cannot believe it that human can, could be that cruel. It was just amazing for me that, 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 that such cruelty could happen. And I was really stressed out, really depressed. But in the end, um, I learned to accept it and then change it into something something else, yeah? Because I thought, well, that happened. What do I do with it? Am I gonna get stressed out, sit, sit quietly and then just, you know, get depressed? Or I have something to change it. And that's why I started writing. And for me, writing is so liberating. So first, I, I wrote The End of Silence, which was based on my interviews with the victims and survivors and their families. And then I moved to fiction because as, as, as I told you, uh, no, this is quite sterilized, what I wrote, okay, which is understandable. Because, yeah. you know, if you want to present someone as... Um, you know, with their names, their two identities, of course, they, they get really worried, especially uh, there's still a lot of persecutions in Indonesia in relation to the 1965 genocide. I can completely understand them. But I, I wanted to write something else, which is more closer to so-called truth, you know, which is deeper. And that's why in the end, I wrote the novel Dari Dalam Kubur, yeah? So, for me, that was so liberating. The experience of writing the fiction was I, I just 
thought that in fiction, I could tell more of the truth. I could tell something much more, you know, much, much, much deeper, basically, than what I wrote in um, this, the so-called the, the academic book, the so-called factual book. That is incredible. I mean, you know, I, I can go on for hours and hours with you talk about gender, culture, education, knowledge, liberation, all of that, because these are important questions for our time and, and for the future generation, for them to better understand the world and their place in it. Um, but because we are not, we're now inching towards an hour, uh, I just want to do this small quick segment with you, which is called Under a Minute. Um, so I'll ask you some questions and if you can try and answer them quickly, rapidly without thinking too much. Um, and yeah, we will proceed with that and then perhaps we can wrap the episode from there onwards. So the first question, pretty straightforward, quite easy. Who was your favorite teacher growing up and why? Oh, my favorite teacher was uh, when I was in, at the, um, um, kindergarten actually because she was just so nice and loving so i really i still remember her and then she quit so that's why it's like i lost her you know she just left the school so i <laughs> and that's why i still remember her and that was my favorite teacher and the second one who was the second one uh i can't remember anyone else at the moment <laughs> <laughs> Wow, uh, that says something, doesn't it? We don't have too many favorite teachers. We should have more than one favorite teacher. We have to improve our teaching culture, really. All right, the second question. What three major challenges do you wish nations across the world uh, should focus on with respect to education in for the next 20 years? Um, equality. First is equality. Second is human rights issues. Hmm. And third is environment. Would you want to shed light on why you picked these three just very quickly? Well, very quickly. Equality is because there's still uh, there's so many inequalities in the world, and this will become more and more of an issue in the future, especially with the development of tech technology. You know, um, yeah. And, and and as I said, in the end, if we don't address inequalities now, it will get back to us. Yeah. It will get back to us big way. It's like this COVID-19. If we don't treat animals well now, it will get back to us over and over again. So please do treat animals well. If you if you wanna keep eating meat, I don't ask you not to be vegetarian, but if you wanna keep eating meat, then at least get, you know, know the source of the meat. Try to get the meat that has been slaughtered in um in human way or at least more human way. Yeah, try, please. And don't treat animals badly. <laughs> don't just keep pets and not look after them. Or it, it's better not to keep pets at all, actually. Definitely, definitely. And the last yeah, question. I since adopt, actually, I always adopt dogs, not be, you know, because adoption means that the dogs need human, yeah, already, because they've been abandoned and they need human. But I never buy pets, never, ever. Yeah, I, mean, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. If you can adopt one, why buy them? Yeah, exactly. you know? uh, last question, really quickly, because our audience is mostly young students. Um, and from IAP's side, we have a lot of political science students and social sciences students. Just generally, do you have any message for young people who are in the education, who are still uh, pursuing 
their education. Do you have a message for them as to how they should pursue their education or what they should focus on? I think you should focus on what you want. Yeah, and focus on knowledge and not just add the money. Because in the end, this is going to be more useful for you and the future and the universe as well. If you focus on money, well, you will be rich, but your life will be empty. <laughs> that's, what I, that is, that's what I think. That is a wonderful sentiment. You will be rich, but your life would be empty. Uh, so you really have to contextualize what's important for you. Yes. Michael, if you are with us, would you like to wrap the conversation now? Because I think we're just about hitting an hour uh, in our, into our conversation. Yes, um, thank you so much, uh, Suchi for being in this conversation. I really love uh, the ideas. I really love the arguments that you brought up here. Um, I'm, really I'm very grateful that, uh, grateful that you um, are finally able to be here and talking about this matter with us. Um, so thank you so much. Thanks. And I'm sorry yeah. because of my internet connections, very unstable. So thank you so much and, <laughs> Actually, and have a safe trip. The internet connection also shows the inequality as well, yeah? <laughs> true, true. This is the evidence that we, we have to pay attention to this. This is crucial. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but your loss is my gain, Michael, because I got to have a lovely conversation with Su Chen on some wonderful topic. Uh, so I'm not complaining at all. Um, on behalf of IAPS Asia, really, and on behalf of myself as an individual, I just want to thank Su Chen and I want to thank ASEAN Youth for giving us the opportunity conversation really um, and Suchen for honoring both Michael and I and talking to us about some of the very broad uh, wide questions about our lives. So yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. So Michael, shall we okay, end from this the bottom of my heart? Thank you so much, Busuchen. Yeah, thank you. thank you so much, Busuchen, and have a safe trip or yes. safe, uh, yeah, safe trip, safe, uh, safe activity. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Hopefully we can meet sometime, okay? <laughs> Definitely would love to do true, that. True, true, yeah. I'm okay. eager to get a hold of your book and start reading it. Uh, and I, if you know people are listening, I would love for them to read your novel as well. It sounds exciting. It sounds, uh, you know, insightful. And I think, yeah, we should all definitely read your novel as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Okay, Tappers, you can also request for topics of your choice to be discussed at our podcast. So be sure to send in your questions or topics to our email at podcast at asianyouth.net to ask our amazing guests in our future episodes. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Telegram at AYOASEAN, Facebook at ASEAN Youth Organization, also, subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that notification bell for more updates about our events. See you in the next episode. Stay healthy and take care. Ciao! Ciao.